What's up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. If you're in the mood for some wine, like not like today, because apparently we've turned into the Arctic, but any day other than today, it would be great to go right down to the dairy block they're socially distanced i mean right in the middle of it uh they got tables outside so where you don't have to worry about getting exposed they also have virtual wine tastings but more importantly the wine you know like reds cabs uh pinot uh any kind of red wine you want which is my favorite but they also got whites you got rieslings with a partnership with a place called storm cellars on the western slope uh and they all have their own vineyard from sonoma county california and they basically uh, ship the wine directly to uh, Colorado from there. It's fantastic. My favorite place to go in Denver. Uh, and uh, I will be taking my guests there uh, once we, uh, you know, it's safe to do so. You're so, damn right you will. <laughs> so, uh, once again, there are Blanchard Family Wines located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazim, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. You can visit them at bfwdenver.com to book your virtual wine tasting. And they're also on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Also, I'd like to talk to you about my friend Andy Feinstein. Uh, please support our friends at Exto Event Center, located in Denver's vibrant Rhino Arts District. Exto Event Center can host safe, socially distanced events for 25 to up to 175 persons outdoors and up to 100 persons indoors. If you are interested in hosting an event for a corporate gathering, fundraiser, client appreciation, birthday, or anniversary party, or just basically a morale-boosting happy hour, which face it we all need right now uh exo would welcome the opportunity to be part of it please visit exoevents.com for more information and book your private event today okay you heard his voice a little earlier my friend who uh, i I'm, it's a shame that this is the first time he has been on my podcast which is going been going on for nine years uh to my utter shame however i am completely honored in having my friend from cbs4 uh, Mr. Uh, every, what, what do you do? What, what do you do? What is your official title at CBS4? Mr. Ryan Green. Uh, official Swiss Army Knife. So no, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, they, would, they would label me as Sports MMJ, which of course means multimedia journalist. But in the business, we call it many, many jobs because that's exactly what we do. We do many, many jobs, yeah. editing, you know, reporting, tweeting, anchoring, all that stuff. So it's pretty wild. Well, I've, uh, I met Ryan uh, three years ago. Um, it was during the season where I was thinking about leaving Denver Stiffs. And he was at uh, a website um, called 5280 Sports Network. And I was cajoled, some would say, into leaving Denver Stiffs and joining 5280 Sports Network as a Nuggets writer slash retiree, which is where I was basically going. And along the way, I met this remarkable guy who is very good at doing video shit. And that <laughs> kind of uh, reinvigorated me. Um, so just to kind of give me, give us everyone a background, because everyone knows Ryan Green at this point. If you're on Twitter, you know Ryan Green. Um, <laughs> what? I wish. <laughs> What kind of got you into wanting to do uh, what you're doing right now? Man, so to be honest, like, I always liked video editing and, like, producing stuff, like, producing videos. But I had always thought that I was going to be the sports anchor, man. I wanted to be the next Vic Lombardi. Uh, you know, like, that's, that's where I was going. And so it's so funny because um, – you know, my dad had always taught me, you know, like do something you love because, you know, work gets, you know, pretty painful sometimes. So at least do what you love. And so that's where I was like, all right, it's got to be something in sports. And so um, I focused on television. I went to, you know, Colorado State as, uh, you know, in, in uh, studying communications and broadcast mm -hmm. journalism. So that was the path. I went up to Montana. I was a reporter on that CBS station. I was, the, I was an anchor on that CBS station for sports. And so that was the path. Um, and then I realized when I was trying to go on to another job afterwards in Colorado Springs, the business side of the television market 
and being an anchor and being a reporter is garbage sometimes. Yeah. It is yeah. just awful. And so I really like thought about it. And I realized that the, the main pleasure I had gotten from reporting up in Montana is some of the stuff that I edited. I shot and edited. And so that was like, it was weird to have to kind of break my thinking like, oh yeah. no, this is the path, my life path. This is the career path. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been awesome so far. And the great thing is, is that, you know, working at CBS Denver, the skills I did learn mesh with what I'm trying to do at CBS. So it's, it's been pretty great so far. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's, that's kind of the, that's, that was the path I had taken. So. Well, it's interesting because I, I never, when I started in, in this business and I say business using air quotes, because uh, I have uh, would not been compensated. Let's just, let me just throw that out there in a way that would uh, lend you to believe that I could make any sort of career out of this. <laughs> and <laughs> what's the remarkable thing is I kind of backed into it myself. And I, I didn't never intended to be uh, part of the media. I just was asked to join a blog in 2009. And that kind of led down this, this path. 2009 when Ryan was 10. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, he's older than that. I can't say that. Um, not much older. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think that upon reflection, that kind of accident led me to where I am right now. Led you to the King of Thornton. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> what, looking at that, though, I mean, Ryan, you, you, you're doing something now that's I don't see any place doing specifically locally. I mean, let's face it. What made you want to do what you've been doing with these blogs and, and that kind of... Uh, that thing you're able to do because it's, it's certainly not a, um, it's not something you see in, in normal terrestrial media. (laughs) Yo. So like, honestly, it's so funny. It, it completely arose out of straight up boredom. Like that's all it was like from, from learning how to like do the simple things like create a story in, in college. Right. From from then throughout the rest of your life, you were following basically a formula of how to do stories. And like by the third or fourth year at a job, you've done every story ever. Like, and so it just gets boring doing it in like, yeah. and, I, and it's going to sound like I'm ripping on my profession. And, and in some ways I'm critiquing it, but I'm not ripping it. I, I love where I'm at. But it's, it's like every year, like, you know, I can expect a story when Broncos training camp rolls up, you know? Oh, the Broncos were excited to be back on the field. Yeah, man, it felt good, you know, seeing the guys, everyone was energetic, happy to be, you know, it was like I could, I knew the story before I watched it. And that's where I was just getting bored. And the second part is it, it's it, the, the behind the scenes stuff, the messing around with other media members and messing around with the players, that, that was the best part of my job. That's, yeah. that's the stuff I actually wanted to shoot is me arguing with someone from Fox 31 about what the, you know, what the Broncos should do or me arguing with someone from, you know, DNVR about what the Nuggets are going to, you know, if they're going to win or something. So yeah. that, that was what I thought was the most entertaining part of watching a bunch of dudes practice 17 days in a row. You know, it's the same drill. It's the same, all that stuff. And so I thought no one really sees the actual behind the scenes, like kind of what we do, kind of how things are gathered, kind of what it's like actually hanging out because sports media is so much different than television media. Like I'm, I'm sure that you could do, you know, commission meetings where you know all the other reporters are are stationed with you i mean that could work as a vlog but especially with sports media and just how it works i was like i really want to show those interactions and get the people there because and especially in the twitter era the 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 people that we are our audience let's say Uh they're interacting with us now so they're part of our conversations i mean let's be real most of my interaction is talking with coworkers or with, you know, uh, fellow media members on Twitter. Yeah. And so those conversations are public now. And so like, all right, well, we got to bring the public into our conversations at these, you know, media camps too. And so, yeah, when you, if I had to sell a news director at a television station, that idea, I don't know if it would work. Right. You kind of just have to show that it works. Yeah. Um, and luckily I'm at a station where they were like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Try it. And, and here we are. I'm on the podcast with Jeff Morton because of it. <laughs> yes, you are. 
Well, you would have been in on the podcast before this if I wasn't so damn lazy. <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, looking on, at it, Ryan, there was looking back, and this is pre, this was all the way back to when we were both at 5280 Sports Network. And we remember we did the Paul Millsap press conference. Yeah, yeah. At, over in Montbello, right? And I remember we got done with the presser. And this is kind of where I knew, kind of had an inkling of where you were going. Because we had done the draft or the couple, about a month before, and you were there right. briefly. And I think we did like, I, I did, I, I missed With our buddy Jake Marsing, too. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, Jake Marsing yeah, was I there, think too. You're just part of the video. Yeah. Jake, Jake was there, and I, and I come in at the end because we we're talking about the Nuggets, and I, I fucked up on something. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> and uh, we, Go to this Millsap presser at Montbello. And then afterwards, we're kind of standing around. And I say, I can get Josh Kroenke and Tim Connolly on this, on these interview things that we were going to do. And we ended up doing well with Millsap too. And uh, you go, really? And I go, yeah. So I, I, I went right over to Josh and I said, you want to do this thing? Josh I was like, shocked. Sure. <laughs> Josh was like, sure. Dude, like, right. Like, it, uh, up until that point in my line of work, just straight up talking to the, you know, the people <laughs> in that kind of power at a team was just unheard of to me. Like, there were, there are so many channels I would have to go through to talk to them. So the fact that you were like, yeah, I guess we could talk to him. I was like, well, yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's talk to Tim. Well, I talked to Tim briefly, but we talked to Josh a little longer. And the funny thing about that is the way you did the videos at the time, which went up on 5280's YouTube channel, which I think became Mile High Sports YouTube channel, I think. Uh, I don't know. There's, I, I don't even know. I think they're still up there. Are they still up there? Yeah, I think they're still up. And you were doing these cool graphics. And I'm like, yeah. And I was doing my own videos. And I said, this guy's going to do an intro for me. And we did. <laughs> um <laughs> But we, I saw it then, and then I'm like, oh, this could be a great idea to just do this a little differently than just all these stodgy, fixed camera, yep. right on your face interviews. You were able to do something and capture a little bit of personality. And I think a little bit of that is the way you edit. And I don't think people really appreciate editing and the skill that it takes in, in editing these things together because uh, I look at what you do and I, I look at all the jump cuts and all that stuff. And I'm like, I can't, I couldn't do that. I, I, I would edit on my little, on my Mac when I had one on, in, in uh, iMovie and it was terrible. And, and I could see you doing it and you're like, I've got this uh, machine here, which downloads uh, all these graphics onto this thing. And I've got like this other thing. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> So when you, you, do you think that part of that, like having the editing, I call it the editing personality really comes into play when you are putting that out there. Maybe it's more than you in front of the camera, you're the way of expressing yourself is via the way you edit. Yeah. And um, I, I really hope this doesn't come across as like, I, I'm, I, I feel like elite, you know, editing my elite editing power I was just given with, but, but there are some point there are some points in my line of work where I just go, uh, maybe I was actually kind of born to just edit this because like you said, like the way I, I try and edit, I try and edit some type of emotion out of you. Cause that's like, that's what gets you that like people hooked, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's happiness, whether it's whatever, you're not going to watch a video that you go, meh. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I want to try and get something out of you. Yeah. And so, but that's where it's like, when I, when I wanted to do those videos, those were like, just, I could just feel them like coming out when I was editing. Like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I had researched or asked people, Oh, what do you think if I had edited this? It's just like, you know, I have an idea, let's just do it. And it, and it turns out it worked. And whether it's just me understanding people and what works on like Twitter or YouTube or all that stuff, maybe that's what it is, but there, yeah, it's just, I, I see, and even when it's like, when I'm shooting the story, like I can, I'm almost live editing it. When I get a clip, I go, yep, that will put, we'll, we'll, that'll go right there. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's that kind of streamline now. So um, now I, I, I will say I absolutely was, um, 
I'm, I don't want to say I ripped his style, but I definitely wanted to produce some type of like Casey Neistat type videos. And he's oh, a YouTuber. Okay. Yeah. He's got millions of views, millions of followers, millions of subscribers. Travel he's vlogger. Literally, yeah. yeah, he is the vlogger. Like he is the guy. And when I saw his stuff, I was like, I can do that for the sports world. I can localize that. Like I, I see people, you know, he was like hanging out with like Will Smith and like really cool celebrities. And I was like, you know what? We're doing that with the Broncos here. Ooh. And everyone in Denver thinks the Broncos and Von Miller are Will Smith and celebrities. So why don't we just do that? Yeah. So um, that's where it was like, that's, that's where it was just like, yeah, there's, there's definitely, and, I, and the other thing was is that, well, yes, I, I definitely like editing and like, I like how I, you know, put my spin on it, but I really liked getting myself out of it. Yeah. And I like, I love having reporters. I love having anchors, but sometimes it's just like, I don't know if you need these people, like mm. let the subject talk, right? Like yeah. the videos you and I were doing, yeah. it was you and someone else talking. And I was like the voyeur, right? Like, yeah. Like eavesdropping on your conversation. You were the voyeur. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but when it's <laughs> when it's like on television, it's like I have to introduce myself. I'm Ryan Green in front of the Denver Broncos headquarters here, and I got to talk to you know Von Miller, and here's what he had to say. And I was like, no, nah, I'm just done with that. I don't need yeah. to be there. Let's yeah. just show Von Miller. I, they don't want to see me. Who am I? Um, and so that's that's kind of where it was and I've, you, I've lost train of thought of as to what your original question was. no no it's fine that's, it. that's, that, that's the whole <laughs> keep going that's the whole point of this podcast um <laughs> you know it's 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 one of those things and we can talk about some now that we've got the the, the history stuff out, out of the way i i think a lot of people pre appreciate you know what you're able to translate to people uh through these uh and reaching people in a way that i don't think that's most my goal news organizations really think about and i mean and it's not just the avenue from which you're communicating it's not just twitter or whatever it is uh it is being able to capture a demographic i guess that wouldn't normally be paying attention to this you know they're the ones who are looking at highlights on youtube you know mm -hmm. that's how a lot of people consume nba stuff which is why the ratings have been down is that they go directly to YouTube right. and they like, I can see this for this condensed game for nine minutes on YouTube. And there we go. These are those people that you're managing to reach, which is I think incredible. And I think that is where a lot of the, the ter uh, uh, terrestrial media has kind of not been able to make that next leap. And I think you're kind of up ushering that in. Well, well, thank you. I, I, I'm hoping that's the case. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just, honestly, from a personal standpoint, I think it's just like the perspective of these television stations for years has been, we are fighting for viewers Yeah. on a television. There is one station you can watch at a time. Right. Yeah. And so on the internet, it's not that. I have a thousand tabs open, right? I can do whatever and I can pretty much watch it whenever I want. That's right. And so that's why it has to be different, you know? And that's why, especially in television, when you're doing, you know, and we see it on Twitter too, um, when you are doing a story at a press conference, uh, most likely the same bite is going to be used on all four stations, right? Like, and that's just, I, I can't blame them because when Von Miller speaks, people want to hear Von Miller talk. Um, but it's just, usually it's presented in the same way. It's Von Miller highlights, then his, then him talking and then, you know, the anchor and again. And so it's like, that's where I just was like, now nah, there's, there's a way to make it different, a way to make it interesting. And I think it's, I think it's just the acceptance that like, every day is a story, not necessarily the story is the story, but that just like every day is something new going on, you know, like that's just, that's just what's going on. So yeah, um, yeah I think, I think people on the internet are one searching. It's not like I can, you know, have a bunch of, you know, search hits on my television yeah. When you Google nuggets, Clippers highlights, you get a thousand searches. And so I'm just trying to throw mine in. And that's hopefully where, you know, people catch my stuff is that like, Oh, what's this? Oh, I can see, you know, in, in the locker room afterwards. That's, that's where I'm going. Well, okay. I know you far, 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 far too well for us to continue this interview style here. So we're just going to vibe from here on out. 
Hell yeah. Um, so, like, I, I, this is what something, this is a subject that I think will probably interest a very small portion of you. But Ryan and I talk basically every day. And we agree politically, not, we agree politically in the same vicinity. But we, Ryan has a different point of view. Do you find that, because uh, we fortunately agree, but do you find that in today's world that it's really a lot harder to maintain relationships with people that you don't 100% feel the same way on everything on? Um, I do, but I think that's, I think that's a learned uh, fault for mm -hmm. humans. Mm -hmm. And that's where, and we've been having this conversation in my line of work, um, but it's like, I, I don't know why politics needs to be such a hot stove, hot button topic. Like yeah. it affects all of us all the time. Like, it, like that's what life is. It is politics, right? Yeah. Like, like we, I want clean water. Well, how do you do that? Through politics, right? Like I want, yeah. I want cops to stop, you know, killing black people. How do I do that? Through politics, Through you politics. know, yeah. I want college football to be played in the fall. How do mm -hmm. I do that? Through politics. And so I think that's where I, I think this society has gone is that we are just like, oh no, we don't discuss politics. No, 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 no. And we've made it such like, so taboo that yeah, when you finally reach this kind of incredible point in human history, mm -hmm. where we're having, you know, a pandemic and just a whole, in an election year and then a whole, just a whole slate of never ending, just stress and madness. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, I, I can, you know, when, when you're like trying to stay quiet about something you're not supposed to talk about, but the thing you're not supposed to talk about is what's making you mad and f afraid. I think that's why, yeah, it's definitely harder to talk to people. But if this were, if we have just been open about politics and we, when we say, oh, okay, well, they want, you know, good conservative military spending and I disagree, but you know, that's kind of what it is, you yeah. know, rather than, oh my gosh, he, oh, he disagrees with me. Oh my gosh, I can't even, should I even mm -hmm. talk? Should I even bring it up that I disagree? Like, I think the loss of discussion and the loss of the, the ability, like you and I, we have disagreements, but when I know when we have disagreements, 99% of the stuff we think about, we agree on. So it's yes. just like, yes. and at the same time, when we do disagree and you do get me fired up sometimes, I learn, <laughs> I, I learn how to like channel that, right? Like I've, I have learned now, like when, when I hear people disagree or when I see things I disagree with, I have now learned it's like, okay, I got to ignore that first initial, like, oh, you son of a bitch feeling. It's just like, <laughs> you just like, you gotta, you gotta train yourself out of the, mm -hmm. the hostility. And that's where I think conversation, that's, that's why I hate like not being able to talk politics with people. Cause it's like, you yeah. got to train yourself yeah. to have common sense, you know, disagreements and just that that's where I think it's gone wrong. You know, it's interesting because I, I, I've know, I know you well enough to where I can talk to you about shit and we're, we're not going to uh, storm away, stomp away right. or anything like that. And let, and, and, and let me reiterate, Ryan and I, Ryan and I agree on 99.9% .9 of the things. It's the 1% right. that we disagree on. Um, and I right. think that, I think where I found personally, um, this to be an interesting case study was when in the primaries, uh, I'm, I consider myself to be a, if someone asked me about Jeff and politics, I'd say I'm a Democrat. I don't say liberal. I say I'm a Democrat. And that's generally how I align myself. And that's how increasingly I have been over the years. And it was an interesting thing in the, in the primaries uh, where Ryan and I would talk frequently uh, and, and still do about politics and I found myself, and some of this, I guess, is a learning experience for myself. I find myself getting into that Obama-esque professorial stating things with absolute authority right. without really being the authority on such a subject, which is infuriating to people. <laughs> and uh, that is where it kind of was nailed home to me. And it was through our discussions about uh, political things in the primaries where I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I do that, don't I? Right. And there's a, I think politics have a way of reviewing things about yourself uh, that you didn't weren't really conscious of. You know, it's just uh -huh. something that's there. You know. Yes. And let's let's both agree that limiting 
political statements or arguments to 280 characters may not be the best form of no. argument <laughs> presentation, you know, like, like that's the other thing about Twitter is that we, you are like actually limited. And so I've even had, you know, like where you just think you're, you're tweeting out like it, what you think and you think it's like a logical step and then someone just reads it differently. And it's like, Oh, I didn't even like think that you could read it that way. Right. Like, and so yeah. It's, it's wild. Like, again, it gets, it gets back to like, yeah, you should probably interact with people. And, you know, it's, it's, for most people, it's hard to yell in someone else's face, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> as many videos as we see, uh, with as many Karens as we see in Walmart, yeah. for me to like, actually be yelling in someone's face to to them, something drastic must have happened. So that's the other thing is that, again, you just kind of have to learn to discuss things and not make them so taboo. Well, especially in sports, uh, like one of the reasons I kind of branched out on this particular podcast into movies and music um, was that I, I ran out of things I could say <laughs> in sports because I've been doing it for eight, 12 years. I, right. there, there's only so much you can do. Right. It, it, once you start being identified as the old guy, you're kind of there. And I did that to myself. And so I, I did, I just, there's nothing I could do. So I branched out into movies. I'm doing a Gen X movie show, Gen X music show. I have special interviews. I interviewed Steve Gorman from the Black Crows, which I was thrilled about. I got things that like I want to do otherwise. However, bringing it into a kind of a, another, I guess, sports sphere is that we cover organizations that are very aware and I think much more aware politically than they let on. And how you navigate that minefield as a media member is a fascinating, fascinating thing to me. Because we don't, uh, I don't talk about, you, you, you learn to avoid the, polit the, the, the political things with uh, organizations because it is, even though you know their point of view, it is like taboo. Mm -hmm. And I wish, and com coming back to what we're talking about with, with sports and politics, I wish organizations would just be open with it because I don't think it moves the needle as much as people think it does. Right. I think, yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. The other part is, is that like, man, is this like a sports guy, especially now that sports is moving into politics? Yeah. I'm like learning a whole different realm. Like, it's just like something I, you know, you, you think is controversial or you, you don't think is controversial. Someone finds political, right? Like, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've had that where you go oh, like, yeah. yo, how did you get that out of my tweet? How, yes. how, how did we arrive at that statement? Constantly. Um, yes. And so, so it is, I think it's, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, especially in sports, it's like, it has been so taboo for long, for so long. And there is a part of the country that doesn't want politics and sports. And so like, you're just coming to the point where it's like, no, nah, we have to admit that there are politics in sports because there are human beings in sports, right? Like, that's just yeah. what it is. Like, yeah. you can't, I, you would love, and again, I, I would love if football was just football, you know? I would love if players didn't feel the need to kneel during the anthem. That is what I would love, but that's not where we're at. And so that's where it's like, you know, and, and, I, I, I will listen to the argument that politics should stay out of sports. There is a part of me that agrees with that. But at the same time, if these guys are saying, this is the only way I feel like I can help and solve and make a difference right now, man, go for it. Like, how am I, how am I to tell you don't do that? I, for those who people who believe that you're not supposed to have an opinion on things, <laughs> because you're affecting their comfort. Let me tell you something. As soon as they inserted the national anthem before games, shit became political. That was the statement, right? That, 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 was, that was it. That, that was the gateway. If you don't want it to be political, take the national anthem out of games. Right. Period. I mean, that's I, it. I, right. I am all for honoring the military. I, I don't, I, I personally just don't understand why they need to be it before the start of 11 grown men fight another 11 grown men over a ball. I just right. don't see it. Right. And, <laughs> and so like, you're right. Like 
there's there's it's a double-edged sword and it's like but at the same time i think we're just reaching a point where it's like no we're we're done with this like we gotta we gotta realize that these athletes are human there's a human element there are there is a political element to sports and hopefully people are starting to at least come around to the idea that that's probably where we're at now well it really is and i one of the reasons i wanted to have you on here today ryan isn't it like there's very few of my sports related friends who will engage on this subject in this much because they don't probably don't think about it in the way that I do. Um, because I, I tend to be a little over, probably overly intellectual about these things. <laughs> Once again, the professorial, I will state this with absolute authority kind of thing. <laughs> so I, I get it. And, you know, I've got a friend, I've got a friend who uh, will go nameless, but he uh, is the exact opposite of me politically. Exact opposite. I mean, way opposite. And <laughs> like we, everything. <laughs> yes. Damn. And he and I have been. He's been. He's been my best friend for twenty five, twenty six years. Okay. And we've managed to have this great friendship without having that element affected at all. And I think that uh, that concept is really alien to people right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it is better because I, 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 I think even I have conflicts with it sometimes. <laughs> uh, there are times where I'm like, ah, I, I don't know, man, that, that may be the last straw. But then we come back and we're like, yeah, this is a, we, we start talking about uh, music and I'm like, that's, that's why we're, that's why we're best friends, you know? So, but do you have any friends like that? Um, yeah, man. Um, and actually it's like, it's wild is that I've, this, this whole pandemic thing has like turned some of my friends. Like I've, where we have had, we were on the same side, you know, like physiologically and psychologically and, you know, just how we view things, but our experiences through this have taken us down different paths. And I don't like there where it's like, there's a left path and a right path. Like there's, it's more like a, you know, an evolution thing where there's just a bunch of arrows going different ways. And, 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 you know, like he's, he's just in a different area right now. And, um, and so it's like, yeah, I've definitely seen that, but it's also, I think it's just, I think it's important to realize where people come from too. Like, I think it's good to know the backgrounds of things, you know, it's good to know where their subconscious is at. Right. Like when, and especially to like people in my business, um, you know, they, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a bachelor in a, in a studio apartment with a car that was given to me for my graduation gift, right? Like, I don't have that much to lose. Other people have families, man. They've got yeah. their namesake. Like, they have got people depending on them. Yep. And so it's like their subconscious is at a whole different level than where I'm at, right? Exactly. And so yep. they are, their, their <laughs> fear factories or their, their, you know, their responses are just differently formed and so that's where it's like especially now it's not so much where you know where i understand why people are polarized and mad and going nuts right now yeah but we should all realize that everyone is doing that that everyone is going nuts and we should all be more open to the fact that we're all going nuts because of this thing and so um yeah i've definitely seen you know people change and but like again it's like you go you go back to it and you're like yeah but you know we we were both puking in, in in the same toilet in college, right? Like it's like it's like it's like we were we were we were best friends. Like you know, it's 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 hard to not remember the days of before everything was political. Of like, oh no, I, there was a reason why I liked you. Like that's that's what it is. I think it's again, you just have to. You're more learning about your friends yeah. than you are realizing that they're assholes. It's just like you got to learn to like. Oh, okay, well, I'm, that's kind of where they're at. I can hopefully talk to them right and that that's where hopefully you come in and be like offering your viewpoint and kind of just low-key like oh yeah. but what about this and maybe they do think about things differently you know i i one of the reasons that i kind of brought up the politics angle of it uh was how as a society uh, we have become as we've kind of alluded to in this thing we've become very either or and life resides largely in shades of black, white, and sepia, basically. It's, it's <laughs> right there. And the, that's where life is. Uh-huh. And our most extreme moments are outside of that. 
And I think people get caught in their most extreme moments and social media exacerbates it. Oh yeah. And they, they are like in this feedback loop of constantly being re reminded of their worst traits. Yes. And I, if I can't imagine, see like uh, you and I had this discussion uh, in a, a while back where we were talking about um, my dislike of social media, even though I'm on it. And you said, well, what about you when you were, you know, a teenager? And I said, I probably would have been an asshole. <laughs> and I, I think that is very true, but it is, it is imagine how that element of it and having all those assholes in there at the same time. And you right. can only communicate in bumper stickers, right? You know, which I think is a fault of the medium. And if I don't know how you can reduce the polarization part of it that is exacerbated by social media because it's here to stay. I don't know how social media is the reason Donald Trump became president. The only reason he ever got to that position. Definitely. And I'm sorry to the people who are Trump supporters who are listening to this. I, I apologize, but I had to use him as an example, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know how those people would, would disagree because like to begin his presidential like campaign, like even the right leaning outlets were kind of blocking him. And that's yep. why people were flocking to the internet. They were like, Oh, this dude's different. Yep. I think it's like, yeah, I, I, I am on the side where they can know that dude should probably not be the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah, but me too. I have had to analyze why 60 some odd million people wanted to vote for him. And I don't think it was just because they didn't like the black guy before him. Like there had to have been something else. Right. So I think, I think that's where it's like, I think that's where I think I agree with you is like, I think there were just people on the internet that really weren't heard that saw this dude and was like, Hey, you're, you're saying something different. Yep, and everyone wants to hide our the the worst angels of our nature, not the better ones. They want to hide them, and they they social media lets them out because, like, who on earth would think? And this I found this on blogs, and then blogs is where it started, and then it morphed into social media, Facebook, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. If you ever read the comment section of a Denver Post article circa uh, two thousand two. <laughs> You would have looked at that and thought, this is fucking Facebook. Right. This, is, this is all this is. Yeah. And that's what Facebook morphed into. And then, and, and I'm excluding MySpace because you, do, you couldn't do that on MySpace. But Facebook morphed into that. And then Twitter morphed into that. And it's just these vocalizations for people to be um, anonymous and express their right. opinion without feeling the repercussions of being an asshole in public. You know? Right. <laughs> well, I, I, I think even the act of wanting to tweet out your thought, you have to be, you have to be subconsciously prepared to either expect a response of people agreeing with you or people disagreeing with you. Right. right. And so that's where it's like, I'm not going to tweet out, Hey, don't kill people. Cause it's like, yeah, duh, don't kill people. Yeah. But like, I will tweet out something that I'm like, Oh, I wonder what other people think of this. Right. Like, uh, I think that's okay. funny. Let's see if other people think it's funny. You know, it's like that, that's the kind of interactions you are setting yourself up with. And again, one of the, one of the, what's, I, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's like too often we judge people by their worst examples by judging and we judge ourselves by our best, you know, incentives. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, you, and you see those extremes. You see the people, you know, trying to be the worst examples. And those are the ones that get a thousand retweets, right? We don't get the, the regular ass tweets blowing up. You get the crazy tweets. You go, you get the tweets going, look at this idiot. Or holy cow, this guy's saying something that a lot of people agree with. Yeah. So I think that's, that's where uh, the polarization helps. I do Twitter badly. And, I, I, and, and someone, as uh, you, who has been my friend for a while now and probably knows this, um, I just tweet what comes into my head and yeah. it was about about four or five days ago I tweeted out uh, I really miss Headbangers Ball and <laughs> and I'm looking at you I'm looking for recognition as if you, know, you know what that is you know what YouTube is right you can just go like yeah I know I know but I'm like <laughs> I'm like I miss I, I was like oh I miss Headbangers Ball and then later uh, the guy uh, a guy we know uh, Nate Mundy 
came to me and he says, why did you tweet that? And I went, I was just thinking that at the time. Right. <laughs> that's exactly why it came out of my, that's why I, I, I felt the need to share that publicly. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that doesn't get you Trump-esque following on Twitter because you're not right. tweeting out insane, batshit insane stuff exactly. all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was going, oh, that's wild. Yes, yes. So oh, remember when it's like that, but yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's a, and and I'm all nostalgic. So uh, we are kind of in a interesting place uh, right now, and I think no, that I, <laughs> I, they said uh, on a Zoom meeting podcast. Um, we, I, I mean, we are kind of. Uh, in a strange place in 2020 and I never thought I would see sports being played with no fans, you know? Well, that might be changing today. Uh, because we, uh, um, we are now, well, and, and this is something we can go over. Um, the Broncos are going to be having limited fans. I believe third game of the season, right? Yes. Third against week Tampa, against Tom Brady and the, and the Tampa Bucks. How do you feel about that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, there's so many like ways to look at it. Like, you look at it and you go, "Man, I, it's still wild that we're like trying to have crowds when there are still thousands of people dying in this pandemic, right?" But it's like we're also at the point where I think our country is just gonna power through this like I just that's where I think we're at right like I don't think there's going back to nope we're going you know we're having lockdowns again and curfews I think we're past that point and so it's like I think I think they are going to be insanely cautious I think it's gonna work I think they're gonna be fine I think they're gonna test out the at the wazoo right like I think I think it's gonna be fine yeah. Um, and I think they're going to somehow do it. Like, again, two weeks ago, I was like, there's no way they're playing, you know, two weeks from now. And here we're at. We're, we're getting we're ready. We're getting ready. Right. They're gearing up. Right. Well, so that's like, where I think we're at. It's just like, well, let me let me just interject this, because I I think the NBA is regretting the bubble at this point seeing the relative success of traveling okay major league baseball after they weeded out the idiots uh-huh um once they saw this i think nba may be thinking we probably should have done something like this now what it's done the nba has been successful in the bubble it's extremely no one's gotten nothing sick um uh, no one's tested positive it's been great. It's been a shining example, even in the state of Florida, which is a shit show. So it's, it's, you know, it's done uh-huh. well. It served its purpose, but the mental health problems. Right, dude. I, I, I mean, you got, you saw Michael Malone and like, I can't have my family here. Yo. Thing, yeah. A couple of days ago. I, you've got to think that a lot of these guys are like, I'm going crazy here. And dude, that's what they right. think about when you go into it. Right. Uh, these, and I, I, what I don't think people realize about athletes is how many people are actually constantly around them. You know, it's not like they, it, it, it's not so much that they go out partying and yeah, I'm sure on a mental health aspect, there is a, some type of, you know, depression put on these guys because they can't go out and party and, and forget about, you know, that their leg hurts or their knee hurts or whatever. And that they're, they're lo- on a four game losing streak. Right. I, I'm like, I'm sure that there ha- has been some benefit to that, but it's like, these dudes have entourages constantly around them. They have like family members constantly around. Them. They are surrounded by people. And so like when you, when you just take someone like that out of a group setting, and again, these guys have been like, like Zion, LeBron, they've been stars for the whole, their whole life. And yeah. so, yes, absolutely on a subconscious level, when you throw them into this, this bubble aspect where all of a sudden they are just kind of dudes just playing basketball, there has to be some type of psychological effect on them just not yeah. being around other people, right? Like we are, we have evolved into like tribes and cities and communities. And so when it's just like, when it's just 
a, a little bubble of dudes that you are also somewhat going to war with. I don't want to use that, you know, phrase, yeah. but, but they are competing against these guys, you know, and you have to like kind of get up and get angry at them. And so, and then the next day you have to see them at the, you know, food court line. It's, it's so wild to think about. And, and again, I'm not even, we're not even touching on the mental health aspects that we can't even think of right now, right? Oh, yeah. there, there's, there's probably some mental health aspects that we're like, oh shit, yeah, we didn't even think of that. And I, so, I, I'll, God, tell you, Ryan, I'll tell you, Ryan, I, I, my own mental health was real bad in April uh, to the point where I was real, really concerned about how I was going to be able to manage through the rest of the summer into the summer because it was just like I had been I basically isolated since February and I had to do it because of my brother who had leukemia and we had to take him to the hospital and stuff like that well you can't risk getting exposed to anything right so that part was like weighing heavily on me and then I it, I got much much better but there's think about, about the uh, amount of people who don't Right, like we're used to all the all the mod cons, you know, all the modern conveniences. Right, and now we uh, got modern conveniences, but we can't do anything about them. And it is you kind of miss. I mean, like Ryan and I, when I see Ryan all the time, I give him a hug. And I was thinking about this today. It's like I just like to give Ryan a hug, you know, like that sort of thing. It's just like you miss that interaction with people. Right, and imagine these guys in a bubble. They're not able to, to, to do it with anyone but some guy they just played, you know? Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. No, and it's like, it's like there's, there, uh, there are probably scientific, you know, studies done that show a hug releases dopamine in your system, right? And like that is enough to not make you go crazy for like a next week, right? It's like, yep. that's the type of thing. And so it's, it's wild. And, and I, I really think you saw, I thought, you know, Malone's a pretty kind of straightforward guy, but when he was talking about his family, I was like, that dude's hurting. Like, you could tell. He was holding back some actual, like, yo, I want to really say some things about you right now, NBA. And the way he, he, the way he even said it, it was like, any other time, it'd be like, whoa, he's calling out the NBA. Yo, yo, whoa, hey, Malone, mm -hmm. chill out. But mm -hmm. I think even in this instance, we were all like, yeah, this dude's got a point. He wants to see his family. How can he not see his family? Other people are allowed to. The players are. The freaking refs are allowed to guess. And mm -hmm. the coaches can't. What's going on here? And so, again, it's like, but that goes back to the point we were talking about. It's like, that's where the politics start meshing with sports because that, you know, it's like you have to be a human to understand where Michael Malone is coming from. And you have to have that aspect of it. You can't just say, hey, you're a coach. Shut up and coach the team. It's like, no, you got to be like, yeah, that's got to be hard to coach while you want to see your family. Like that's, it's, I, I am just, that's why I also think that there should not be an asterisk by any of these championships because of that mental wear, right? There has been physical wear through an entire NBA season and an entire NBA playoffs, but mm -hmm. the, the mental grind that they have just, no NBA player has ever gone through before. That's why I, this is just a, an insane year. It is. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I, I'm thinking about all that and I'm thinking about the Broncos eventually allowing fans. Now I'll say this, the NFL, if they can do what major league baseball has done and manage to count on the people not being morons and going <laughs> to casinos or strip clubs, right. Um, then maybe, maybe it could be successful and eventually maybe people could start coming back in i i mean it, it i don't see that in basketball or hockey right. because it's in arenas and it is much easier for this thing to happen outdoors yeah. so here is where and i guess this this isn't really about fans I, I, per se but this is where i am genuinely curious as to what's going to happen with with the nba the nhl and and major league baseball they basically knew that they were shortened time periods right yeah. the nfl is going for a full season they're going to try and play all 16 games all the way through the super bowl i need to see what happens to the detroit lions when they start zero and four yeah are they going to be wanting to go to work every single day with just losing with having to have the coaches that were yelling at them all day about how they're losing still there for another 12 weeks. Like yeah. that's where I am just fascinated as to where like, yeah, yeah. If you are, 
the the Buccaneers and you got Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and you've, you're 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 playing four you know you've won four games and people think you're going to the Super Bowl yeah I can see why those athletes would be motivated to stay the course yep but I am genuinely curious as to what happens to the teams that and that's why I think you could see multiple teams go winless this year because when teams check out they are going to check out right they mm-hmm. you can't just like I I I'm, I'll, I I and that's where I hope. They, uh, they stay indoors, right, and don't go to strip clubs and don't go to all this stuff. But, ah, man, I don't know. Like, I, that is asking a lot of people to do good things in miserable situations. And that's like – and it's the same – I have the same outlook for, you know, these people trying to, like, go out, go out and work, go out and do things. It's like, yeah, you they, – they need to work. You have left them no other option but to, like – get a paycheck through work right yeah. they are going to be evicted if they do not work i think if they go to work and we open up the pandemic is going to run ravage but you have left them no option other than wanting to work right now because they think that is the life or death situation in their life yeah. and so that's where it's like I, I i don't know i i i hope that the nfl keeps you know the mlb they have losing teams and they're doing well but I, I just want to see a full season. That's, that's a long period of time to see what's going to happen through the entire NFL season. Well, speaking of that, uh, have you, you haven't been able to be around the Broncos at all, right? This is no, been, sir. Yeah. So it's just been Romy and uh, uh, Spencer, right? So yes. uh, I'm curious to see, I mean, you've got pretty good, I think from what I saw from the outward, <laughs> Not from any insider information, obviously, but it obviously seems like you had a good relationship with Drew Locke. Uh, <laughs> is, are, where, are you disappointed? You won't be seeing any more uh, of him. Who, who was he rapping to? Jeezy? In that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it, it's tough to be like, because there is that aspect where you think, man, I'm going to miss out like showing people just these guys, right? You know, it's like, they, I, I could have been that outlet for them to show that, they, you know, their cool side, Drew Locke dancing or like even Justin Simmons, a well-liked guy. I still got video of him like taking off his helmet pregame and putting it on a little kid. Like that's the stuff I like showing. That's the stuff that fans want to see. They want to mm-hmm. see the human aspect of the player. And so that's, yeah, I'm going to miss that. But like, even if I got to go to games, like I'm not, no one's allowed on the field, so I can't talk to him. Right. No one's allowed in the lock, locker room, so I can't talk to him. It's, it's, I hope that aspect comes back yeah. um, because that's where, and especially in the media, and you know this probably more than I do, those post-game locker room sessions, getting the interview is like 10% of the job. Yeah. 90% of it is talking to them and trying to make them realize, no, I'm just, a, I'm just like you. Like we, yeah. we have similar things. I, I know you're the basketball player. I know my job is to cover you, but we're, we're people, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm going to miss is, is, you know, is, is I, I hope Drew Locke remembers me in two, three years. Like, oh yeah, that was the guy that showed everyone what I was rapping to. Like, I hope, you know, I have longer hair now. Are they going to recognize me? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's all that. But, uh, and again, but at the same time, especially in my job, I realize that, you know, Michael Spencer and Romy Bean and my two camera guys, they are more important to what my station is doing in terms of, you know, their product on air than me going there and showing, you know, Drew Locke that he was rapping. Like, so yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's, you, you, you just got to get used to the, the downside and the negatives and you just, you know, you, you, you claw and scratch your way back in. You take the sour with the sweet. And I, I, right. I, I remember that there was a Nuggets player. I think about who should I name him or not. I had several, a good relationship with several Nuggets players. One of them in particular, uh, he he respected me because I didn't report his off the record BS. And uh, well, it was Wilson Chandler. He's not here anymore. <laughs> and Is he a loyal listener of the Morecast. <laughs> I I doubt he listens to any sports related podcast. I will I will tell you that. Um, yeah. He um, one of the things I'll never forget him saying to me, he says, well, you took the time to come over and ask me about my kids. And he respected that. And I, what I, one thing I always uh, t- took away from that, and that was years ago, we're talking, we're talking eight, nine years ago that happened. And I, I, 
I think I, what I took from that moment was these guys are human. They want to be treated like humans. And a lot of times the fishbowl of media, and it really is a fishbowl, is they have to have, I mean, it was, uh, here's a good story. Danilo Gallinari, who I enjoyed as a player, was really hard to get to know. Uh, probably one of the hardest nuggets ever. Uh, because he immediately had a wall up. And I'll never forget it. I was describing this to former uh, Nuggets PR guy, Tim Gilt. I said, watch Gallo. I said, the next time the, the, the scrum gets in front of him, watch his eyes. He would fixate on something at the end of the locker room. I don't, it didn't, no matter what it was, he would just fixate on something. And you could visibly see his soul leave his body and being <laughs> replaced by a robot. Right. And he would just churn out cliche after like a, interviewing a lot of these football players, I'm sure. is so they spout off a lot of cliches and oh, so many, you know, and I mean, they're, they're taught to, they, they have literal media training to say, these are yeah. some of your go-to answers. If you feel like you don't want to answer, if you feel like it's a, a spicy question, you know, it's like they are trained to do that. And, and honestly, I don't like, I don't, I don't want to say like they're making us out to be the enemy, but that, I think that puts that kind of training makes it seem as though, Hey, you got something to hide from these guys. So be careful what you say to them. And I think that's a bad way of training the athletes. Yeah. Well, the defensiveness, you know, it, it right. immediately makes them defensive about just an innocuous question. A lot of times an athletes, when they got in trouble with, it was, it was like uh, uh, the, the best analogy I can give you in, for that situation is Brian Shaw used to talk himself in circles and the answers to his, it was, I called it, used to call it the Shaw filibuster and he would start one area and end up in a completely different area in a question that was like where he ended up was completely unrelated to where he was, (laughs) the question was, and it would inevitably be like some complaint about Kenneth Fareed. And (laughs) that is where it would go and he would get himself in trouble. And I'll never forget him coming. I can say this now. He's not here. Another guy. Um, I never forget him say, coming up to me. read something I, I said on, I, I put on stiffs. I forget what it was about. That's so long ago. And uh, he said, what's this about? Uh, and I said, Brian, look at the quote you gave me. And I played him. And I happened to actually have, I was at my iPhone at the time. I actually happened to have the audio still and I played ah, him the entire receipts. quote, which is what I put in there. And he goes, yeah, man, I got to learn to shut up. And, <laughs> and that's, that's, and that, that stuck with me this right. whole time. I never reported that, but I, it stuck with me because sometimes athletes, coaches always said, will talk themselves into trouble because they just, they, they need an edit button. So I can see why they do the cliches. It just makes yeah. things let, less entertaining. Absolutely. And I wish they would realize that like being, being the personable athlete gets you a lot more camera time. I promise you that. There is no athlete I like better than knowing, hey, when I need an interview, that's the guy I'm going to because I know he's going to talk and I know he's going to say something good. Yeah. And so like that only helps your brand, man. Like we're, we're here to help you. I, I don't know where along the lines where, and I'm sure there were a few examples, but there seems to be this thought that the media is out to get the athletes. I don't, I don't think I've ever met a media member out to get an athlete. I've, I've met some media members that definitely have some hot takes and haven't been known for hot takes, but I don't think I've ever come across a media member who wants to like literally take an athlete down, ruin his reputation, get him like released from the team. I have never met that there. We are too busy trying to pay for our used Camrys, you know, to try and pick a fight with these multimillionaires. So it's like uh, that, that's where I'm like, guys, you know, we, this is, this can be a very symbiotic relationship. We just got to break down this whole formality almost. Well, the, the days of Skip Bayless hounding, right that's hey yeah you're probably right there and uh that has not been a thing for a very very long time uh but i think i my theory has always been athletes particularly in the nba i can't i don't i don't know if i can speak for football but particularly in the nba 
they confuse social media with media. Yes. So just because media members happen to be on social media doesn't mean that's media. Right. Uh, media, quote unquote, is what we do in reporting on stuff. So these guys will see a bunch of Twitter trolls saying a bunch of bullshit and they will think the media is out to get me. Right. And that is, that is because media is on Twitter. Right. And I think that part, because what, uh, and I largely blame Woj bombs because all these athletes started following Woj because uh-huh. he would break news to them. And suddenly that becomes news and that becomes media. And there we go. Uh-huh. It, it just expands out into it. Right. So athletes or specifically NBA players suddenly start thinking that media is out to get, get them when it's just a bunch of, of Twitter <laughs> trolls saying right. bullshit, which is yeah. 99% of Twitter. Absolutely. And it's even like, you know, like there, there's like people that literally write their opinion in blogs and for the Denver Post, and then there are reporters. But you're right when it's when it's the Denver Post and CBS Four interviewing them, they they don't know the difference between that. You're you're right. It's just one conglomerate of people. It's just the media. It doesn't matter if this guy's Skip Bayless, and this guy doesn't say just reports what we say. Mm-hmm. They are the media, and so yeah. that's that's where it's like ah. Yeah, it is, it is an amazing kind of evolution. And I remember when I started in um, uh, 2009, 10, Twitter really wasn't something that people paid any attention to. And then uh, there was a moment, and I will tell you this, there was a moment where things changed. And it was Charlie Villanueva, the guy with no hair on his, no eyebrows, no hair. Uh, tweeting from the locker room. And this was about 2011, uh-huh. I think. And that changed everything. Then athletes are suddenly tweeting all the time. Uh- <laughs> but, uh, athletes after that never, they really rarely used it. It was just a bunch of fans and some yeah. media members. And then suddenly athletes get onto Twitter and like he tweeted from the locker room, he got in trouble. I forget what he said, but he was he was something mid-game, and he just tweeted something, and he got in trouble from the NBA. And that after that, it just became a more common thing for athletes to be omnipresent on Twitter. And that is really, to me, that's where I draw the line of where social media changed and where the athletes started thinking that social media was media. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I grew up. I I was in I was in college when Twitter was kind of getting going, so it's like. It was never, I don't remember any like seminal moments in Twitter history because it was just kind of like an evolution. It was like, I was on Twitter and then more and more and more and more people were on Twitter, you know? Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if there was that, yeah, I wish, I wish I had like been aware of that moment. Well, it's, it, it's not really being aware because you're only aware of it in hindsight. You know, it's, it's right. I, I, I remember getting very upset at Adrian Wojnarowski because Woj, because he, uh, was tweeting up a bunch of stuff from the perspective of the New Jersey Nets. And that was the team he was covering. So that's the one he had access to. And it was right during the melodrama. <sighs> and uh, when Carmelo Anthony was about to be traded. And this was a weird time to be in media. Um, because there, that was right at the crux of the proliferation of everything that it is right now. <clears throat> and uh, he would tweet up a bunch of stuff. And I was like, that's wrong. And uh, the, the New Jersey Nets are not a factor here. What is he doing? And, uh, but that was, that was a little bit of a, a, a part of it because it was like teams at that point also knew that they can get uh, something out there quick like that. Yeah. And it could beat the media. It beat the media. And, you, and especially yeah. if you have someone who like Woj is getting that respected and you can get that stuff out there. It's, it really is. It's amazing how it changed, how, how all of it changed and became what it is today, which is uh, a place where I can tweet about, you know, headbangers of all. <laughs> what an evolution. How far we've come. It is. We have, we're, we've reached, we've reached the zenith of Twitter because <laughs> of that. Um, well, you know, I think I've rambled on quite enough today and I thank you for indulging. Oh. Thank you for indulging me on this. Oh, it was uh, great. It's, it's all of a sudden, all the time has passed. It's wild. You know, it's, it's really, really fun. And uh, next time I have you on, we'll maybe yes. 
you know, I, 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 I was going to go a little, a little further into politics and I'm like, I can't do that to Ryan. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I'm ready. I'm always ready. <laughs> I hit the edit button. But anyway, um, uh, before I get going, I would like to talk to you Aww. about uh, you, the listener, I think. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant actually me. I was like, oh, cool. This is a bad transition because I should have okay, read I'll this. I'll be the listener now. Okay, yeah, the, the listener, Ryan Green, about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Now is the time to celebrate. That's right, football is here. To kick off football's uh, 100th season, uh, 101st season, excuse me, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all users a no-brainer to start the season. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, Head on over to the app now because you won't want to miss this. Uh, have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Uh, no. No, no. Well, for week one, DraftKings is assuming that even if Kansas City were to lose by his, in that historic fashion, you would still cash in your bet. That's right. Jeff, DraftKings has moved the spread of the, of the Kansas City game to plus 101 points for all users. So even if the Kansas City Chiefs lose by 100 points, you'll still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. That is a no-brainer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code MHS to get in on all of the action. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility and restrictions reply, apply. Excuse me. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero. So, did, so do you want to download the DraftKings? Uh, I mean, technically, we are both employed by DraftKings because I have DraftKings Saturday Sports Extra on Saturdays <laughs> on CBS Denver. <laughs> <laughs> yes so there you go DraftKings. you got two spots <laughs> got two uh so yeah thank you for joining me ryan i appreciate it uh oh, so I, fun I, th I think this will be a good one and people you'll enjoy this so uh uh what is your twitter and where can they find you mr green my twitter is at ryan cbs4 and that is that you can find all my other outlets from there my twitter is basically my resume and business card at this point okay. <laughs> This is uh, to link into our previous yeah. conversation. About I think uh, maybe I'm legally required to say go to cbsdenver.com as well, but you know, I'll just, uh, I'll just throw it out there. Yeah. So uh, Ryan's a, a good friend and I appreciate him joining me. Uh, thank you for joining me, Ryan. Oh, it was so fun. <laughs>